0: Lord God, wake us up to a worship for you now this fall. In the midst of all this struggle, may our worship not stop. And all of God's people said, Well, it's great to be here with you, great to be worshiping with you, and uh, just fired up about who our God is as we go after him. Can you believe this? Like, it's almost October. We're about ready to say the words October coming up this week. I know uh, we're excited to hear that date coming up. Our daughter Megan is actually due this week. She's actually due October 1st, so we'll see what God's plan is on all that. So this is a huge time coming up as we transition into October. May God get all the glory as we put our heart in his hands and watch him do a mighty work. And all of God's people said Man, man, that's what we're going after. May he get all of the glory. So, hey, we're in a series here called Light the Fire. Light the Fire. This is talking about individually. Lord, light the fire in my own heart. This is talking about corporately. Lord, light the fire of this church. May we rally as one to make much of you. Light the fire. May God set our hearts ablaze with who he is, and may we get excited about going after that with all we've got, all right? Now in 1 Timothy, which is the book we're in, Paul actually kind of breaks it down into three segments. The first segment he talks about is the message, and we've been over that this last couple of weeks here, the message, and he's talking about the truth of the greatness of Jesus Christ and our hope in him, the message of God Almighty, right? This gospel deep message, and then after that, he's now entered into the members Those who are a part of the church, what does it mean and what does it look like for us to go after that? We're going to be in that for a handful of weeks here as we walk through this portion of 1 Timothy and then he closes out talking about the ministry of a church on fire. So we jump in today again talking about members and if you look at the title for today, it's actually called Members, Being Prayerful, Prayerful. One of the most on-fire things that we as a church can do is be on our knees in prayer. And I'm telling you, usually we don't get that. Usually we feel like the most on-fire thing we can do is get active somehow, do something. And usually we're missing the fact that God is calling us to grasp deeper who He is. And a prayerful. We're going to talk through that today in a number of different facets, all right? So here we go, point number one. Uh, pray. Pray for your leaders and be respectful in your behavior. Pray for your leaders and be respectful in your behavior. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He starts out, he says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, inters- intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. He's like, first of all then, this is kind of a connecting phrase, he's like, hey, based on what we just talked about in all of chapter one, here's the first thing I want you to consider. And so at the end of chapter one, he was just saying, hey, just remember, We as a church, as we rally together, this is a war. He's like, just so we're clear, it's not a social, cultural collecting together. It's not a club. It's so much more than that. The church gathered together is a war. As God Almighty is shaping our hearts, as Satan is looking to steal our worship, we are in war. And all of God's people said, and so the answer to how we handle that war call it's now the beginning of chapter 2. He's like, first of all then, knowing that we are in war, how do we go after that? Well, let's start with this. He says, I urge. I urge. In fact, that verb there is the same verb used for the work of the Holy Spirit. I encourage. I challenge. I admonish. I shape. I come alongside. I'm, I'm longing for this to happen in you. Right? I urge. And uh, I urge that supplications, prayers and intercessions be made. Supplications, prayers, and intercessions. And there's nuances to each of those words. You can kind of dig into that, look into those a little bit. But the summary of all three of those is it comes together with this. Come before your God with the needs of others. Come before your God with the needs of those you know who are hurting, with the needs of those you know who are struggling. May even be your own family and your own needs, but certainly looking beyond your needs to the needs of other people. Come to your God, being able to say, Lord God, I know they're struggling and hurting. Lord, I know they're aching in large measure. and I long for you to do a work. Please hear me, when we bring our prayers before our God, our job is not to go trying to persuade God to be as kind and gracious as we are. Y'all hear that? We're not going in to say, Lord God, I'm trying to convince you, you need to have the mercy level of me. Like, I know what's needed. I can't believe you can't see it. All too often, our prayer acts as though God's uninformed and we're deeply informed, right? And as we sit down to pray, we're like, oh Lord God, I know you're not sovereign and you're clueless. So let me inform you of this family who's struggling. May you please do something here. And God's like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't have the memo about that. I better catch up on some details. And like, everybody say, not that. Dude, as we pray, we are not going to God informing him. He knows everything. He can do everything. God's got a plan and he's working in this world. As we come to our God, we are laying our burden down. We are laying their burden down. And we are longing for God to have his way. And all of God's people said, that's a pretty different prayer time. You're going to find that all of a sudden you're getting on your knees, not so much to shape God, but let God shape me. And Lord, may you move in this broken world. It's a huge privilege for us to be a part of what God is doing. May we humbly realize that God's work is far more powerful than anything I could imagine. Lord, rock our worlds with who you are. And as we go to prayer, may we truly get on our knees saying, "Lord, I'm ready to see you work. I'm ready to see you do things in this family's life. They're hurting and they're in need, and I know you know that, so I'm watching you. I can't wait to see you care and provide for them. It's a huge privilege to come alongside. He says, in supplication, in prayer and in intercession, and then he brings another one, and Thanksgiving to be able to be thankful to God for what you are seeing, to be appreciating God for what he's giving into your life and into the lives of those around you. Please hear me. The secret to joy is not, everybody say not. The secret to joy is not, why is this so fill in the blank? That's not the secret to joy. That as we sit down to begin to think through things, we're like, why in the world would God, why is this so broken? Why is this so whatever? Like, that's not the secret to joy. And as we sit down and say, God, you're in charge, and there's things you're doing I do not understand, and Lord, I'm handing this need before you, and I can't wait to see you work, and Lord, I thank you that you are. And all of a sudden, we're thankful for his character traits. And we're thankful for his intervention in our life. And we're thankful that he reaches in with care and love. We're thankful for those ever little things that God lets wash on our shore to make life that day a little bit enjoyable. It brings a smile to your face or an appreciation for who he is. Thank you, Lord. The secret to joy is not, why is this so fill in the blank. The secret to joy is thank you God for. That's the secret to joy. A worship and an abiding with your God where thank you comes off your lips a lot. And yes, the more struggle there is, the more thank you we need to be striving to find. Maybe it's in the little, little things. If you're facing a big, big moment, being able to see God in the little things is a huge deal. It really is. It's so easy for us to get thankful only about the big things. And if they're going wrong, then we're really not that thankful. And that's actually a great recipe for having no joy. For having our joy be dependent completely on circumstance. May we be artful and worshipful in seeing what God is doing day by day, moment by moment, in every single way. And all of God's people said, the most powerful step in us waging spiritual war is to drop to our knees. The most powerful step in us waging spiritual war is to drop to our knees. That is a huge part of the warfare. Us on our knees, may God get all the glory. Now he starts to answer the for who. Who are we praying for and how does this work? He says, pray for all people. For how many people? For all people. Yes, pray for those you know and love. Yes, pray for those you know who are very close to you. They're going through super hard struggles. Lord, I long to see you comfort them. I long to see you protect them. I long to see you provide for them. Yes, for those you know. Yes, for those you love. Yes, for those that you deeply care about. You respect them, man. And it's easy to pray for those people, isn't it? You're like, man, this guy matters to me. Lord, I just pray that you would rock their world with who you are. And yes, for those that annoy you. Okay, hang on. Like, I I don't know if I'm really in on that plan. Yeah, all people. Yes, for those who tweet things you wish they'd never tweet. Who write things in Facebook you wish they'd never write who take a stand at your family gatherings on things so not to be talked about right now we're trying to enjoy just a moment. Yes, for the people who maybe you struggle with and you don't see eye to eye with at all. Yes, pray for all people. Pray for how many people? Lord God, open our hearts that we may care for all to be able to be rocked by who you are. All people. And then he says, pray for kings, And all who are in high positions, pray for kings and all who are in high positions. Our God has placed every authority that is in charge in that position. Did you know that? That every single person in leadership, both in our country and worldwide, placed by God. You're like... Well, I wish he would have asked me first. I have a few opinions about that guy and whether they should have been placed, right? And the reality is oftentimes we're like, God, what are you doing? What are you thinking with this? Lord, which way are you taking this? But please hear me. Those are the right questions to be asking. God, what are you thinking? Which way are you going? Because you're moving. Every leader put in place by our God. Check this out, man. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. It says, God sets up kings and he deposes them. God's putting the leadership in charge. He sets up kings and he deposes them. Romans 13 verse 2, it says, there is no authority except from God. And those that exist are instituted by God. There is no authority except from God. And those that are instituted, yeah, God put them there. And don't kid yourself. This election coming up this year is a super huge deal. Please be registered to vote. Please vote. Once. (laughs) Right? That should go without saying. Please vote. Make your vote be known. Yes, do that. But know this. Who is it that sets up kings and deposes them? Not even close to loud enough. Who is it? God Almighty. And while we work with the vote and while we do what we're doing, God is working with a nation and God has a plan. And we long to see God's plan as we come into this November. Lord, what are you planning to do next? Know this, God is at work. We will do our part. Yes, get registered. Yes, vote. Yes, be praying on our knees. Lord God, we long for these people to be shaped and changed. Lord, we long for each leader to grasp who you are. Lord, we long for them to do the work you want done. Lord, show them the greatness and the grandeur of who you are. Man, that is awesome prayer. To be able to cry out that our leadership would be able to grasp truly who he is. Man, if you disagree with who a leader is or how they live life, please hear me. If you think they're in sin, don't use your sin to combat their sin. Okay? Don't use your sin to combat their sin. He says, fall to your knees and pray for those leaders. May we go after it with all we've got. And uh, he says, pray for them. Uh, Just for those of you who need to know, He doesn't mean pray imprecatory psalms for them. For those of you who don't know what that word is, those are all the psalms in the Old Testament where they're like, Lord, make that person die. That's an imprecatory psalm. He's like, he's not talking about praying the worst for them. He's talking about supporting them, encourage them, be on their behalf, long for God to give them wisdom. Ready? And all of God's people said, and all of God's people said loudly, Amen. Dude, seriously, this is our job for the next month and a half. Pray and long for leadership to be knowing God and for God to have his way in this world. We long for him to move. That's our call in spiritual warfare. May we go after it with all we've got. man." Our job is to make sure that we are obedient to our government, that we listen to our government, that we follow them, and that we pray for them. Not that we stand against because we don't like the thing they stand for. Sit under. But please hear me. We will sit under as long as they don't call us to sin against our God. That's where the line gets drawn because our obedience is always as to the Lord. As to the Lord. And so ultimately is about, are we having to sin by omission or commission? If the answer to that is yes, then we don't take that next step with them. Otherwise, we're following through with what government has to say. We're listening, we're sitting under, we're longing for God to work. That's what it looks like. Strong, respectful care as we act with and act under, praying for them. He then says, why? Why? that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. And uh, it goes better when we don't create unnecessary war. It goes better when we don't create unnecessary war. Please note the word unnecessary. But it goes better when we take the stands we need to take and when we sit under when we need to sit under, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Please notice it does not say that we will Lead a peaceful and quiet life. It's not in the future form. It's in a form called the subjunctive. It's conditional. It'll probably be this way. This is a general truism. That when you generally work this way, it generally works out more peacefully. And sometimes that may not be true. But that's our opportunity to be able to say we know the God of the universe and he's worth knowing. And we're on our knees and we're praying for you and we care for you and the job that you have. May you... Get in line and know the God of this universe as he does an amazing thing in this world. And we pray for our leadership in that regard. And be praying seriously that God moves mightily in this world. Okay? He says that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Godly and dignified. If you're looking for two great adverbs, two great descriptions of your action. Godly and dignified. Let's make the next six weeks godly, dignified, prayerful. Godly and dignified and prayerful. May God get all the glory as we truly say, I know the king of the universe, he's so worth knowing. He puts a smile on my face daily. I thank him and I praise him. And I'm praying for all people, especially the leadership in this deeply unsettled time. And all of God's people said, huge deal, let his spirit have his way in your soul more than you striving to have your way in this world. Let his spirit have his way in your soul rather than striving to have your way in this world. Huge deal as we go after it, okay? He says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, If you want to know what pleases Jesus Christ as he is leading, as he's setting up kings, as he's setting up rulers, as he's working in this world, one heart at a time, one soul at a time, one problem at a time, one unrest at a time, know this. Our God is longing for us to be able to reflect his character in this world as we work with him, taking a stand to be able to know who he is and answer to him with that. It's a huge privilege that we've got. It says that we can honor him, Jesus Christ. He works humbly and willingly and sacrificially. May we honor him as we act the same. Humble and willing, sacrificial. Another way to say godly and dignified, honoring Jesus Christ. It says, uh, Jesus, the God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved, And to come to know the knowledge of the truth. Who desires all people to be saved. How many to be saved? He desires everyone to be saved. He would love for all to come to know and grasp who he is. The offer out to the world at large. This is not a Jews only salvation. This is whole world. Come to know Jesus Christ. He is Savior and Lord. He's like, hey, he longs to have all people come to know him. This is a sweet privilege to be able to have this offered up that we may work in the allness of Jesus Christ. And please know this, this is reflecting the allness of Christ in this world. There are some who want to say that Jesus Christ very narrowly coming for only those who respond to him. And I would just say that, you know, then you have to modify this word all. They're like all those who would believe. That's not what it says. It says all. All. It says pray for all people. It says he longs for all to be saved. Like this is his heart. And there's a permissiveness to it. This isn't God mandating this. It isn't his directive will saying it's going to be. It's him saying this is what I would love to see true. It's God working his desire in it. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. It says for God so loved the world. John 3.16 not for God's so-loved part of the world, right? It says that Jesus Christ, when he was raised up, would draw all men to himself, not some men. There is an allness to the work of God in this world and the offer that's going on. And please hear me, here's the end goal, that every tribe, every tongue, and every nation would be able to come and be represented in the worship of Jesus Christ forever. Know this, man, when we come home to heaven, Every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be represented. No racism going on. No one better than another. No mistreatments anywhere. Absolute perfection for all eternity. Every tribe, every tongue, and every nation underneath Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, man, that's a huge deal. This offer is to the allness of the world. And a representative is guaranteed to be coming from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Can't wait to be a part of it. It's going to be a glorious worship forever. No pain, no sorrow, no heartache, absolute joy for eternity. May God get all the glory. Huge privilege. All right. So, this last week, uh, I realized this next week coming up was October, which is a big deal. Uh, It's the switch into the fall. It's the uh, due date for our daughter. It's also the beginning of deer season, which is super important, you know. So I actually went to get my crossbow out. I I wanted to dial it in, make sure I had it prepped. So this last week I was watching the wind when it was going to be heavier winds. It was going to be heavier wind this weekend, so I was trying to get it dialed in earlier in the week. And And I took my crossbow out and I'm like, man, I got to have a good target for it. I bought a target and so I brought the target out. Super important that you have a target that you know you're going to be able to use and it works well, right? Like when you hit it with a 350 feet per second arrow, to be able to slide it back out is a big deal. And they did a lot of designing with some of that so that after you slam it, you can actually just pull it back out. I bought one of those targets. I had that set up. I've used that for years for target practice. And I went out and dialed it in at 20, at 30, at 40 yards. And some of you don't care at all about this, but it matters in just a second. Hang on. So. Dialed it in at 20, 30, and 40 yards and got it set at each one, making sure it was dead on, hit it at 20, it was spot on, hit it at 30, spot on, hit it at 40, spot on. I'm like, all right, we're good to go. Things rocked and ready to go. And uh, so I took it, had it wax the string and put it away and got it all set and taken it back in. And I'm all done dialing it in using the target that was designed to be used. What's the point? Man, I'm telling you, we will never know if we're going to hit the target if we're choosing the wrong targets in life. And you better know this, man. As we walk through this world, is called to be dropping to our knees in prayer, what's the target? Oh, I want to get my way. Dude, that's a bad target. And we ain't going to hit it with that. And the target matters of what we're aiming at. And if everything we aim at is always about self we're never, ever going to actually be able to hit the target God's calling us to hit. and uh, The world kind of sells some targets. I just wrote a few of them down. Here's some bogus targets. And i got to be true to self. And if that's the target you're aiming for, it's going to go poorly. True to self or I have to have life be easy. but I have to have life be easy. That's definitely not going to go well. Uh, possessions in life or positions in life. I'm going for these things. I have to have ownership, title. And, uh, or I, I don't want this brokenness of this world to wash on my shore in any way. No pain. That, that's my whole goal. No pain. Man, I'm just telling you, those targets are horrific targets. Picking the right target to go after is everything. Lord God, I long for you to get the glory. How many times have you heard us say that? for you to get the glory. Jesus, this is to please you. That's our walk. Lord, I'm doing this to please you. Lord, I'm doing this that you might be shown off, that you might actually be demonstrated in this world. I am on my knees that you might work in my soul. What do I need to hear? Shape me, sometimes even through pain. I'm good to hear it, God. You pleased, me changed, this world shown who you are. That's the target. You pleased, me changed, in this world being able to see who you are. That's the target. Humbly, on our knees, Lord God, work in this world. Work in me first. I'm ready to hear from you. Life altering prayer. It'll shape your worship like you would not believe. Down with fighting for self, up with battling for Jesus Christ to get all the dignity and all the pleasure. And all of God's people said, So, how's your worship? How's your prayer? How's your target selection? How much of you needs to be set down? Okay? That's point number one. Point number two. Stand strong on this. There is one one God and one way, Jesus. Stand strong on this. There is one God and one way, Jesus. He says, for there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. For there is one God, Uh, How many gods? Do you believe that? One God. It's not a selection. There's not a plethora of choice. It's not a I want to decide what I want it to be. There is one God. It says, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Why is there a mediator at all? Because there is a sin problem in this world. But please hear me, the problem is not that man is separated from God through sin. I've heard that described a lot. That is really changing the gospel message to be completely man-centric. The problem is that when we chose to sin, God's glory got stepped all over. That's the problem. The real sin problem is God getting wronged. That's the problem. And God is choosing to mediate that. And step in and rectify that. And there's two ways he rectifies that. Mercy and wrath. And those are his two choices. And he uses those to rectify his glory stepped on. It is absolutely essential that you grasp the gospel messages God's glory stepped on. The gospel messages and God's glory will be restored. Some through mercy and some through wrath. But God is in charge. There is one God and he is the mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. He died for us and he rose for us and he offers us hope of forgiveness. Hope of forgiveness. It's super important that we grasp this, that the forgiveness is offered through God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Three persons but one God. And this one God resolving The problem in himself. As God the Son. Makes the sacrifice available for God the Father. And within God. He is taking the hit for our sin. And forgiving and releasing us. Absolutely important that we grasp that. Jesus Christ is the mediator. Who on our behalf. It's his perfection. It's his willingness. It's his sacrifice. It's his resurrection that is our hope. There is one true answer, and that is Jesus Christ. There is one true answer. His name is Jesus. Everybody just say his name out loud with me. His name is Jesus. That's the one true answer. It resolves the glory of God being stepped on as Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again. He loves us. He died for us. And he offered available for us forgiveness. It says, who gave himself as a ransom. Gave himself as a ransom. In fact, this word very specifically here means a purchasing power. A redeeming, if you will. And this is God the Father and God the Son working it out within the Godhead to cover the gap. Right? This ransom. I just wrote a few words down. It's a satisfaction of God's wrath. It's a satisfaction of God's wrath. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. That's why he cried out, Why have you forsaken me as he took on that pain? Satisfaction. It's a substitution for our debt. A substitution. And it's a securing of our freedom. Those are three huge words. Satisfaction. Substitution. And securing of our freedom. And that's a huge deal. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, his resurrection. If we believe that he is risen, if we confess him as Lord, we have hope and we have salvation in him. We have our sin covered, we have our debt paid, and we have God forgiving along the way. Many teach that this ransom uh, was paid to Satan. Have you ever heard that? Like, who was the ransom paid to? There are many that teach this. Like it's paid to Satan. Everybody just say that's wrong. Dude, This is not paid to some created being. This is the God of the universe resolving the God of the universe's glory and his glory being stepped on and he resolved it in himself. And it's super important that we know and understand that. This is Jesus Christ making available to God the Father a payment to cover what we owe. And it's a beautiful forgiveness where the God of the universe takes the hit for you and for me. He loves you with all he's got. Forgiveness is what's offered. And God's holiness is the measure. God's holiness is the provision. And God's wrath is what's being satisfied that we might taste of mercy. Huge deal. Who's it for? This mediator between God and man. It says, for all for all. Not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles also. There were a lot that were selling at the time of Paul. Only the Jews are going to be saved. You have to come over. You have to walk the way the Jewish people walk. Not that, right? God fully resolving it in Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law. And so it can go out to beyond the Jewish nation to all people. God absolutely offering up to all the opportunity for salvation for you and me today. Largely a Gentile crew in this room, right? And we have hope because of Jesus Christ. He is our king. He is God of the universe and we can have forgiveness. May Jesus be our one and only. It says, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Paul's like, and Jesus came at just the right time. And You might be like, Why was that the proper time? It doesn't really say why. right? It doesn't say why. But I will say, here's a few words you might want to write down for why it's the proper time. It was preordained. God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. He does. God has a plan. It's preordained. It's purposeful. It's purposeful. God knows exactly what he's trying to accomplish. It's prophesied. Like God was telling them, heads up, here's what it's going to look like, here's how it's going to come, prophesied. And in the end, it's prepared. You know, you were in a culture that had roads all over the place, you had a language that was universal, you had a collective thought that was working towards reasoning and thinking as well as the heart, and God working amongst all of that to bring it together. Why did God choose then? We don't know all the reasons, but we know this, God has a plan. And he talked about it in the past, and he was making it good right then and there with Jesus Christ, given at the proper time. He says, for this, that is for the spreading of the good news, for this, I was appointed. Paul's like, just so you know, I had the privilege of being given this. I was appointed. It was in the passive form, like God did this to me. God's like, you're in. One of those moments where Paul doesn't feel even worthy of it at all, and he's like, you're on. I'm asking you to do this. Step up with me. And I, I appointed him, God says, to be an apostle, to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. And let's just talk about those for a different a moment. The preacher, that's the one who stands up and says, Thus says the Lord. Okay, the preacher. That is not the one who stands up and says, Here's the greatest magazine article I just read. That's not a preacher. It, here's my thoughts according to the world. That's not a preacher. A preacher, biblically, is one who stands up and says, thus says the Lord. Here's what God's word says, that's a preacher. Paul's like, I was called to be a preacher, thus says the Lord. I was called to be an apostle. That's one that builds the church. And then he says, I'm telling the truth, I am not lying. Why did he say that? Well, because Paul was being challenged often that it wasn't true. And apparently, that was even happening at Ephesus, where Paul is like, Just so you know, I'm not kidding. God made me an apostle. And I have a privilege to be able to work within the church, and I'm humbled to be a part of it. No lying here. You know, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 10, actually talks about how Corinth was rejecting Paul. And their statement at the time was, You know, that guy writes powerfully, but he is not impressive in person. Literally said that. He's not impressive. He's weak, and his speaking is not that great. That's what Corinth was saying about Paul when he came to visit. They're like, I expected a dude who was kind of, you know, big, huge, really eloquent. This guy was none of it. He was small, he was weak, and not that impressive with his speech. He had problems when he went into places where God was like, I'm using even you, Paul. And he's like, heads up, yeah, I've been given the privilege of being an apostle God did a huge work through him. And then as a teacher of the Gentiles, a teacher will often say, here's how it all works together. A teacher of the Gentiles as he's bringing it all together. Paul being able to say, thus says the Lord, let's rally a church around it and here's how it all works together. In the end he says, in faith and truth. Jesus Christ having all the focus. All about Jesus Christ in our prayer, in our walk, in our worship, in our celebration, all about Jesus Christ. May he get all the glory. It's all about Jesus. Everybody just say, it's all about Jesus. That's what it's all about. Let's be prayerful as we make it about him. Let's pray. Thank you.